Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's Jackie Cation and you are listening to The Dork Forest. The website's JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com thedorkforest.com if you like a determiner. Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com. And Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song with his wife, Sarah. He composed it, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to The Dorks Forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of Zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off. And no harm, no foul, if ever bored. JackieCasia.com. Sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand-up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and there is a PayPal button on both DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com, and there's Venmo, if you like Venmo, Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, go to DorkForest.Bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a, but a lot of ones that are free from pre 2000 nine when I started pre-recording and uh, then there's a live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks. So I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some stand up. There's a story uh, album. That's very exciting there. And um, other than that, I have a lot of merch in my garage. Feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD. And uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation. Let's get into the show. Hi, Jackie Cation in my garage. That's right. It's the Dork Forest Rangers, and uh, we're just going to talk. Today, we're talking uh, with sketch comic podcaster, lefthandradio.com, Adam Bozarth. Hello, Adam Bozarth. How Hello, are you? Jackie. I'm great. It's so great to be here to talk to you. Yeah, super fun. I like how you framed yourself there. It's nice because it shows sort of the background mm-hmm. as well as uh, as whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Dork Forest. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, look at look at oh, it's that little personal touch. (laughs) It really is. It really, really is. Uh, Well played, Adam Bozarth. It's at uh, Left Hand Radio on all the things, right? As in addition to being LeftHandRadio.com, it's on Instagram. Yeah, we're on. uh, Yeah, Left Handed Radio is on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Twitch. We sometimes we've taken a little bit of a break with Twitch. Uh, Sure. Do you? Do you do Twitch? But you're familiar uh, with Twitch. I'm familiar. I'm not familiar enough with Twitch uh, to put this on Twitch. Uh, you would think that I could, and I and I have uh, all kinds of tripods, and I could just stream it live on TikTok. I could do all kinds of things. None of that's happening. <laughs> so, um, is it left hand or left handed? Left handed. Oh, ed. Yeah. There we go. All right. I had that wrong. And uh, let's. It, uh, it happens. Correct. It happens. Left-handed. Are you left-handed? No, no. The, <laughs> his, uh, his the, Anna? No. The, your I'll, co-host? Yes. No, I'll tell you where. The, the name came from this, uh, one of the first, it used to be a bigger group of people. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like, we had um, our friends Dan Chamberlain, Matt Little, 
Brett White, Taylor Moore, uh, one of the first meetings we had where we were reading a bunch of sketches that we all had written but didn't have a place mm-hmm. to put anything. My friend Brett White wrote this sketch uh, where the X-Men are about to, you know, fight some bad guy and they're in this parking lot and they just keep commenting on how they smell weed somewhere. <laughs> and they can't they they can't get it together enough to fight the, the villain because they're just so distracted. And I think at one point Wolverine uh, refers to joints as left-handed cigarettes, and I was just like, that's such a great phrase. That really is. Yeah. And something Wolverine would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, uh, it feels Canadian, is, right? It feels Canadian. It feels in... in uh, he's also hundreds of years old. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a Joe Biden-y kind of thing, you know? It feels... I feel like sometimes that uh, Wolverine is the Joe Biden of the X-Men. Um, more powerful than you could imagine. Yeah. And yet... And yet, uh, yeah. kind of a goonie bird. Deceptively anyway, sturdy. Deceptive and, yeah, stocky. He's, the guy's, dude's got it. So, but here's the thing. We're not here to talk about uh, the X-Men, though I suppose we could. Uh, we're here to talk about Star Trek, because that's what, have you been watching? Have you been yeah. back, did you back up and read a, watch a lot of Star Trek during the last 16 months? Yeah, I had, uh, I had never seen well it's not true i had probably watched a handful of the original series i think i had seen the mirror episode of star trek okay. wait uh, you're, you're talking uh william shatter yeah right yeah okay and maybe like one or two more i think out of curiosity uh maybe to get a sure. couple of jokes that are in other you know antecedent entertainment <laughs> but <laughs> right just for research exactly yeah but um uh my my partner in all things, Anna Rubinova, she was producing a, a Star Trek recap podcast called Treks in the City. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I've been, um, yeah, I think I've been. Yeah. So, you know, Alice and Veronica, they're great. And I do. Uh, Anna heard so much about this show and was just like, this, it sounds good. We should probably watch it. And <laughs> we didn't have anything else to do for a, about a year and a half. <laughs> So you started, did you start with the OG? Did no. you start with the original Star Trek? Good well, call. Good we, call. We, exactly. You, yeah. have to, you have to fall in love before you go back. Yes. Uh, so what did you start with? We started with Next Generation. And that okay. first season is, it mm. does feel like they're kind of warming up into stuff. Because there's like some weird first season episodes, like where they happen upon the, the space Irish people, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, uh, there's a lot of uh, first season. There's first in in sitcoms. There's first three episodes. Yeah. In Star Trek, there's literally first eighteen to twenty two episodes. First, first three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, where you're just like, why are there six good things in this first two seasons or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it is brutal. Um, I don't know why I stuck it out. Uh, <laughs> and. I am am so I bulk a little bit, even though they have gotten to actually better. Though, okay, so you watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I forget. Is there like eleven seasons of that? What what are we talking? <sighs> I think off the top of my head, I want to say nine. Um, okay, but yeah, a lot. Yeah. Even so, who seven. are your favorite characters? Like, who did you end up relating to, or 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 kind of? Like, everyone makes fun of Wesley, but it was nice 
to address at all that there were any sort of children yeah. uh, on the on the ship. Yeah, I like the, I like the Crusher family. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's hard not to be delighted by Data. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right. Data, Data and uh, LaForge, actually, that the, the buddy movie that was never made, that would make a, an excellent Marvel one-shot. Yeah. Um, just just a sketch, just a small sketch with Data and, and, and LeVar Burton um, because they were friends, mm-hmm. and, um, and I like that so much. Yeah. What did you like? What, so what were your favorite Data moments? I think, uh, oh gosh, Data learning to do stand-up from Joe wow, Piscopo. I do not remember that, <laughs> and I think I've blocked it on purpose. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. Go, really? Go back and go back. He's, okay. I mean, because it's a running <laughs> theme. I feel like you know every time some Star Trek writer gets a hand uh, at at this cast of characters, it's always like. Uh, let's talk about how uh, Data doesn't have a sense of humor and let's try to improve it, you know. And, and so right. the f- first one is him, you know, like doing a holodeck simulation of a mid-20th century stand-up performance, which I guess must have been the 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 peak of entertainment for this 24th oh. century robot to, to use it yes. as research. And certainly in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, which uh, that, do you remember any of his jokes? Oh God! I wish I could, but he does. He does these sort of like you know. I was so ugly as a child. They had to. You know, oh, he was doing Rodney. He was doing Rodney. Uh, not Rodney King. He was no. doing Rodney King. It was a terrible Rodney King impression. Rodney Dangerfield. Yes. And um, so and at but and Fozzie Bear. Yeah. So <laughs> sort of a little duo of that, and okay. Yeah. All right, and. Yeah, because he wasn't a child, obviously, right? There's the twist there. It's because mm-hmm. Data, I was so ugly as a child, but I wasn't a child because I'm Data. Uh, I was created uh, <laughs> like Venus out of the sea um, by his dad. Did you get, do you remember the episode where he gets to meet his dad? Yes, that, oh God, the old age makeup on that show is worth, how, how is the old age makeup on Star Trek The Next Generation worse than alien makeup? Is it because don't, you don't they know? They never do it? Right. Yeah, this is an excellent point. This is a, this is a really good point because Andy Ashcraft, my partner in mm-hmm. all things and loved one, uh, is, a, uh, is interesting because he knew someone who did makeup on that episode, on, on, on that show. Yeah. And so for a LARP, a live action role playing game where he, when we first were dating, Oh yes. Uh, he had to play, uh, it was a, it was a, uh, a family dinner and he said that he couldn't come, but he told the game master that he was, uh, that he wanted to play, but he wanted to play as a woman. Mm-hmm. And his backstory was that he was a woman in her 30s who had never gotten married so she was the ugliest woman in her clan in the Appalachians so the makeup that was done on him uh-huh. by this person yeah. actually worked yes and actually was much better in real life than I've ever seen on that show because the Ferengi look that's what they do when they when they when they make people old they just sort of turn them into Ferengi <laughs> And you're like, just make him a Ferengi, because with, without the big ears, it's just a lot of right. paste and yeah. Speaking of Ferengi, um, I <laughs> yes, there is a uh, 
a story that I, I read somewhere on some website. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, uh, the Ferengi were designed to become the new. They were supposed to be the big bad guy for Star Trek The Next Generation. They're in the first season or first episode. And they're right. like this sort of like growly, gremlin-y sort of thing. And uh, they were pitched by Roddenberry himself. But Roddenberry's like original description of them was like, there. there's somebody told the story where like, he goes in and he's like, the Frankie, they're, they're, they're like, they're greedy. They're like little gremlin-y monsters. They're vicious. They've got the big ears. They also have super long penises. You know, like they're just, oh my God. Yeah. Just big penis. And then like, he goes on explaining this whole thing about how like sexually charged the Ferengi are. And then somebody had to be like, uh, Gene, this is going to be on at eight (laughs) o'clock on CBS. (laughs) What is happening to you and your weird dick jokes? Uh, wow. That is so funny that, um, because they, (laughs) there is an episode of next track where, and I call it next track. Other people call it next generation. Whatever, but the um, it's because I grew up watching original Star mm-hmm. Trek, mm-hmm. so that's Star Trek. So Star Trek: The Next Generation was always Next Trek to me, and then everything after that had a name. I love Anyways, it. And um, but there is an episode where there's a lot of ear talk. Yeah, yeah. So Umax. Is that the name of their ears? Well, that's the that's the the way that they make love or whatever it is, where they just get stroked on the ears. They call it Umax. All right, you know. ear stroking. Fair <laughs> enough. That's you have watched it much. Down. I am writing that down, uh, making sure that isn't a notice made. Because <laughs> uh, I desperately want to play uh, Ferengi on lower decks. Uh, but- yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> you would be so good at that. It would be perfect. I would. I want that. Uh, I've been trying to get more into voiceover stuff and do uh, uh, more cartoons. I got to do the three lines on Bob's Burgers. One of them was, oh, thank you for <laughs> I do some acting. You that was you. Anyway, that was me. Sure, you heard it. But um, but yeah, so I but the, the Ferengi, mm. the, Fer- the Ferengi are, are so... They're some of my favorite characters yes. just because I come from salespeople. And uh, <laughs> and there's all of these sort of rules of uh, – what are the Ferengi rules called? The rules of acquisition. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say of all the – of all the and that and I think I I started liking them most in Deep Space Nine. Yes, but yes. Um, so did you get through all of Star Trek: The Next Generation? Got through all of Star Trek: Next Generation. We are uh, almost done with Deep Space Nine. Deep Space okay. Nine, I think, is my favorite series. Um, we're also like halfway through Voyager right now. Okay, so you guys are you guys are doing a parallel track. Yeah, yeah. Of uh yeah, yeah. You're just like, well, let's watch an hour of that, an hour of this, yeah. an hour of that, an hour of that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Voyager was my favorite for a long time, just because of it was the first woman captain. Yes. And Jane Wayne was so cool. Yes. And I liked the Native American first officer. Yes. And uh it was just it felt and I yeah, and the doctor at that one made me laugh. Oh yeah, Robert uh, Picardo. Yeah, Robert Picardo, the actor uh, who is in everything. Everything. And yeah, and uh, but he was he was wonderful actually in it, and uh, and they gave him a personality, and that was one of my favorite things about it. So, who's who are your favorite characters in Deep Space Nine? Uh, I think it's 
I mean, yes, Quark, definitely Quark. I think yes. because Quark is supposed to be the comic relief. He's supposed to be this sort of like laughable character and mm-hmm. Armin Shimmerman <laughs> gives him so much like gravity. There's like an episode where we meet this woman who Quark used to be in love with and they had to, you know, whatever, like they're, she's like a space criminal or something and it didn't work right. out, but there's this whole like what could have been and how much he loves her and it brought tears to my eyes and I'm like, why am I crying over Quark? <laughs> Right. You know, you, the thing is, is the greatest thing about science fiction is that it can come at you on a sideways or yeah. top down where all of a sudden you're having emotions and you're like, that's a giant dinosaur looking dude. <laughs> Why has anime brought me to tears? <laughs> you know, when they spend most of their time growling at each other in the sky yeah. and then making fun of food. But um, <laughs> but those are sweeping. I get it. People yeah. who love anime. Uh, so, but I also I also really really love Avery Brooks as Captain Cisco. Yes. He is a captivating actor. I think he's one of those, he's just one of those actors that as soon as he gets a scene, you're just like, how's he going to play it? What are these choices that he's making? It's, he's got this incredible delivery, you know. That's interesting. So you're looking at it from the acting perspective. Yeah. At a certain point, you, uh, I guess like maybe that's because I'm watching it now as a you know, I don't want to say as an actor, but as a person who does acting, let's say it that way. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, we live in Los Angeles. Anyone could call themselves an actor. Sure. It's uh, sure. What the heck? <laughs> but he's his. It's to to hang that uh, series on him. It's it's such a great. He's 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 well cast. Mm-hmm. He is. I he's got that cadence, you know, like well, not that cadence. It's like it, he has a cadence and a delivery that is specific onto himself, you know, like like Christopher Walken or Pacino or something like that. Like he delivers lines the only way he can, you know what I mean? Right. And that for a for yeah for a show that's like basically like space Deadwood, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's acting as as hard as uh as Al Swearingen, you know what I mean? Like right. Right, he is actually he's he's all I know, and I don't know a lot about acting, is that uh, that when he is on screen, yeah. that is where my focus goes. Yes, like his 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 stage presence and his screen presence, I guess, uh, is so intense that you're like, I <clears throat> I don't even care what he's about to say. Yeah. It's probably very important. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, I mean, he was one of the, he was easily the best thing out of uh, Spencer for Hire. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. And I, I couldn't watch Spencer for Hire because I had accidentally read all of the books. And so uh, when I, the guy who played Spencer was just a little too watered down and a little too good looking. Mm. And I needed him a little more grizzled, like sort of a, a Brian Dennehy kind of guy would have been more, more <laughs> to my taste, I think. And, <laughs> and, and then Avery Brooks playing with Brian Dennehy would have been kind of epic because oh, yeah. uh, at, at any number of times, I don't know why I'm doing this to you, but at any, cause now I'm talking about uh, please, Spencer for hire, please, please, but please. any, any time, <laughs> 
during the uh, um, <clears throat> the books Spencer for Hire, uh, the character Hawk, who Avery Brooks, Brooks plays, mm-hmm. has to remind people that he's not Spencer's fucking sidekick. <laughs> he's like, I am my own person over here. We are friends. I am helping him. He would do the same for me. You are out of your goddamn racist minds. And uh, so it is, uh, it is, he's such a great character. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't even do it enough. Like that's where you want us, where you wish Robert, what's his face, who wrote the Spencer Fryer, would have made it part of every. Yeah. <laughs> would have made it say somehow not not those words, but something like every every book that Hawk is in is actually one of the better books. How so. many how many Spencer Fryer books are there? Like, well, he's still writing. He's been dead for six years. <laughs> uh, it's an amazing, amazing work is being done. Yeah, one of those. I think they're just uh, they're just take, taking a comb and going through his notes and cobbling shit together. But uh, I would say the first twelve <laughs> are okay. pretty good, and they're all written in the seventies and eighties. So they're most of them are two twenty, like two hundred. They're like pulp sized. Okay. And um, and I started reading them in the seventies because uh, they sold them at Kmart, and I lost my library card for a little while so i started stealing books from kmart which lowers uh what you read it really it really <laughs> narrows the field as to what you uh might want to start reading do you mind if i ask a personal question and ask <laughs> how you lost your library card i lost i didn't lose it i just didn't have to, uh if you were late over ten dollars if you didn't have ten dollars and your fine was over ten dollars you couldn't take you couldn't do it until you paid it off and okay. i was a child and i didn't realize that i could pay it off sort of a buck at a time or a quarter at a time <laughs> so christmas came and the librarian actually paid my library fee for me oh my gosh that's so sweet it was very sweet it was very nice I was surrounded by very nice adults yeah. uh, as a child uh, uh, after my mother died. What? Uh, that got dark. Uh, so uh, Everybody got so nice after that. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, your dead mother. Here, have some money. Or here, have a thing. Nobody did that. Okay, okay. so. Uh, yeah, so I do. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. There are episodes of the Dork Forest entirely devoted to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. I, was... I have been... I was sort of hoping that, like, I'd still be able to talk about it, uh, even though that uh, everybody is so into it, you know. Because oh. uh, I, 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 I think what is so captivating about Deep Space Nine in terms of Star Trek is that it's, like, it's uh, morally uh, ambiguous. Uh, the good guys are sometimes bad guys, and bad guys are sometimes good guys. And it's not always happy endings and stuff like that. It's uh, much more political, yeah, and l- less utopian than mm-hmm. Start Next Trek, and and even no, that's uh, it was it introduced that ambiguity to it that I think was very. It's one of the reasons why some people don't like it at all yeah. is because they don't feel like it's Star Trekky enough. It's too stationary. There's a, a religious thing to it. And then there's this political and moral ambiguity to it. and um, But it actually makes it more of a whole story set in the Star Trek universe mm-hmm. that, I, that I think is fascinating. There's a, there's a two-parter in the middle of it, which uh, we watched around this time last year, where <laughs> uh, 
uh, a handful of the Deep Space Nine crew get thrown back to the year 2025 when Earth is in a uh, uh, America is specifically in a crisis. Uh, oh, civil up, civil upheaval, and and all that, and it's just like, wow, this isn't uh, escapist anymore. <laughs> right, right. We are currently, as I like to say, going through the laziest civil war I've ever seen. Um, so <laughs> <clears throat> we don't need to hot it up, but uh, but it is pretty. It is pretty uh, yeah. one off. It's artisanal. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. The whenever they do go back in time, yeah. and whatever they do discuss because it i mean it's it's the gift of star trek it's the gift of that they can talk about the big issues that they can you know and sometimes they talk about them poorly like some of the 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 there's you know there's several episodes that are full-on racist you know in, yeah. in next track and um and then hit and miss in in every in every iteration since so yeah. uh, wh- who's your um Who's your favorite in Voyager? Since you're also halfway through Voyager, uh, I I get I think I get most excited when it's Tuvok Tuvok involved. Oh yes, because he's so sarcastic, and it's like I get I get it's supposed to be the Vulcan sort of like uh, lo- logical superiority, but I think Tim Russ is playing him sarcastic and aggravated and aggrieved and it's just you know like you can tell all of the stuff is getting to the character but he plays it like it's not but every word all of his word choices are very passive aggressive <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and he's just like well i'm sorry that you feel that way <laughs> <laughs> which is the worst non-apology in the whole world yeah. uh coming from tuvok is so perfect yeah. you're right he is playing just you know what that does that opens up the world of vulcan so much more it makes you realize that there are nice vulcans sarcastic vulcans <laughs> vulcans full of love vulcans full of hate and they're all trying to be without emotion yeah but all of those things are emotion that is fascinating. Yeah. So sarcastic sarcasm, it's not it's not a depth of emotion, but it leads to, it makes you think, oh, he's irritated. Yeah, it's a hint of something. What about well, what about you? What about uh, who's your favorite person on uh, on on Voyager? Well, obviously, it's got to be it's got to be Q. Um, occasionally, oh, it's sure. uh, yeah, you know, Q will sweep in and and create. Like he he'll want to undo whatever he did, but he can't undo whatever he did, and he's just like, "Oh, you still remember that?" <laughs> and this seriously reminds me of some family members where it's just like, "No, no, we just oh you, why would you st- why would you bring that up? That happened like I don't know three years ago. That happened thirty years ago. <laughs> My family's a big fan of you're not seven anymore. Get over it. Yeah, and uh, so but the. I like Q a great deal. I yeah. always like it. I forget the name. I haven't watched Voyager in so long. The Native American first officer. Chocote. Yeah, Chocote. Uh, Chocote? 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 They go back and forth. It feels like everybody has their own pronunciation of it. Fair enough. And yeah. uh, He's good. He's great. He's good. He just seems, you know, like he's he he's sort of the perfect... He's like... He's kind of like Frakes. Yes. But he has that parallel... 
He's like, I'm supposed to be the the first officer, so I am incredible. I'm very supportive of my superior. Yeah. But I uh, I also have to confront my superior. So uh, it's I lo- I like that dynamic. I love an ensemble cast, mm-hmm. and I, I like a I I do like a team out in space. Yeah. So speaking of Frakes. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to talk about him before, but I think he's. Pro- I think I. I think I like him. I think I like Riker more than I like Data. I think because he's such this sort of weird, swaggery sort of character who also plays the trombone, which is. You know. <laughs> it's like, did that get you any action? Yeah, there possibly. seems to have. <laughs> sure, sure. That's how good a trombone he is. <laughs> he's. Uh, let's see, Frakes. I Frakes is also captivating. In as much as like I, it's it's weird the way that he like plays the instrument of 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 that character, where yes. it goes, uh, it's super intense, super smarmy, charming, <sighs> sexy. Does all of these different things with this character, and it's very believable and and watchable. And uh, I think we also decided he looks the most like a giant cat, like a giant house cat. <laughs> Oh right, right. I think he he he, if he feels like he's probably pretty her suit underneath all those clothes. Yeah, I bet she's a hairy, hairy dude. I think I read somewhere that they had to like digitally remove back hair from uh, him and some, you know, something. Yes, because it was it was pre the men getting waxed. Yeah, and um, yeah, they were just like it's actually distracting. We're gonna have to digitally remove that. Yeah, Um, but he is. I, I liked him. I always thought whenever he was playing that smarmy character or that sexy character, I was always like, oh, I don't like him as much. But it was, I think, an interesting... They had to do something with all of them, right? Yeah. And, like, I wanted... Like, Picard, obviously... On Next Trek, it was always Picard. Picard mm. was my favorite, you yeah. know? <clears throat> I didn't like him when he... Like I've never, I haven't watched Picard on on uh, CBS Plus. Yeah, yeah, me either. Because I didn't like him when he wasn't making executive decisions. <laughs> I think he's an excellent executive decision maker. Right. You know, and so when, seeing him putter around the wine, the the, yeah, the wine, the vineyard. Him as an old man. Uh, I'm good. I'm sure he's fun to go out to lunch with. But uh, <laughs> you know, I just I want to see him face face adversity he does it in the x-men he does it mm-hmm. in uh he does it in star trek that's the guy that's the yeah. character i like so i had a he i have a friend who told me this story like ages ago um so i'm gonna get all the details wrong but okay. um here's here's what sticks Grain in my mind of salt yes exactly um uh, this is like when he was like living in Brooklyn. I think it was kind of this big thing that, you know, uh, Patrick Stewart's living in Brooklyn and he's all over social media looking kind of fun and crazy and all that stuff. But she, my friend Reagan, ran into him at a bodega or something in real life. In real yeah. life. He's just there getting his, you know, deli sandwich or whatever it was. And she's like awestruck. It's because it's Picard. Right. And he's there. Right? And she was like, and the thing about Patrick Stewart is that for an old guy, he's super ripped, you know? Like, yeah. So he's got right. big arms, right? And so she Weird. can see his arms, and she said that, <laughs> as, she, as she tells it, that she, like, was reaching her hand out like this or instinctively, and she caught, he caught her and went and looked at her and went, you may? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And she got to touch his arm. Oh, my God. That is, first of all, many. Let's unpack this because Patrick Stewart, gym rat. I would not have called that, that he was (laughs) just like a guy who wants to lift. Yeah. And, um, and. Here's the good news about that story, that he was okay with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, because you shouldn't touch people. No. I, when I, no. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I saw William Shatner on the street, and I followed him <laughs> for almost two blocks. And then I was like, what are you doing? Leave him alone. <laughs> and I went away. <laughs> I didn't. That's, that's probably smart with Shatner. Was, I don't know what you're going to get from you don't know what you're going to get yeah. from anyone, yeah. and Sh- but you're right about Shatter. I did not know. Um, I will say that um, my – and I've told this story a thousand times. The one time I worked with Lily Tomlin, uh, I was running by – we were on the lot, and I ran by her dressing room, and she poked her head out, and she actually remembered my name uh, and went, where are you going, Jackie? And I said, to look for famous people on the lot. Uh, and she said, what am I? And chopped liver. And I said, and I stopped. And she goes, nope, keep going. And <laughs> so she, she didn't want to hang out. She just wanted to make fun of it gently. Mm-hmm. And then and then just sort of, but she, it, was, it was one of my favorite interactions with the famous. I, I, I get so, so nervous anytime <laughs> I actually see a celebrity in person and like, I, I, I don't have it in me to go up and, and, and talk to anybody. I mean, like even, you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a fan of yours, Jackie. And this is, this is very nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, good Lord. At least we uh, had like, okay, we can talk about Star Trek at least. We have something, we have um, so many things in common. Adam right. Bozart. By the way, I am talking to Adam. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about who I'm talking to. Rangers, uh, lefthandedradio.com. Yes. Adam Bozarth, you guys, B-O-Z-A-R-T-H. You guys have sketches and stuff I saw on the website, too, yes. right? Yes, we, podcasts, sketches. We, we do, uh, it's, it's sketch and improv these days. It used to be, like, all sketch. We used to put out, like, a sketch album's worth of material every month, and that's a lot of work. And, Holy uh, yeah. smokes. That's so, insane. Yeah, we took a couple of breaks of you know year breaks here and there because it's it's a, a lot of work and then you have to pay your bills and right and you could but everybody could go into the vault right is it yeah. still up everything's still up is available on patreon so we're we're put it oh, we've the, put it behind the go. paywall everybody's uh so i mean different tiers i have a patreon with with laurie kilmartin by the way rangers just a donation button knock yourselves out but uh the patreon for laurie kilmartin we don't do anything yeah. Uh, on the Patreon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we don't have any tears. So yeah. uh, so my whole thing is everyone has a dollar. If they're listening to the Jackie and Lori show, just yeah. set, you know, and uh, by the way, Rangers, you could all set up a monthly on PayPal where I don't have to. And then I'll get 88 cents of that dollar uh, <laughs> because they take 12 cents. But uh, the uh, yeah. But so but so Patreon, I don't know what your tiers are like, but is it the basic tier to get the vault? Five bucks for the vault, but one dollar you'll also get episodes early when we get them done early and okay. uh, a handful of uh, bonus material well, the- that we don't put up uh, on the regular feed. Um, yeah. So if you guys end up going to left-handed radio and liking it, it's, you know, we're talking 60 bucks a year, which yeah. is not, 
it's not even a cup of coffee, really. Yeah, hop uh, on, so, hop off, uh, you know, like. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, hop on and for a month. Try to binge, you guys. Do whatever you can and then listen, bail hey, and come back. Listen for free. That's all That's all I care about. I want more people listening to this thing. It takes a lot of work. Anna and I work really hard on it. We get a lot of fun people to get involved. And, and I think if, it, if, if you're listening to this show, you're going to love our show, too. Right, because I think that you've both worked a lot with Thrilling Adventure Hour and um, and yeah. the the election election profit makers. Yeah, we were election doing profit makers. Yeah, we were doing production for them. Uh, like all the sort of sound design you might expect from Thrilling Adventure Hour is also featured in our show. Uh, so if Fair you like old timey radio, old timey radio, I, you guys. I I wish there was a better term for that. It sounds awful, right? I mean, old I don't old timey radio. Right, right. Doesn't well, it, may- it sound like I'm like opening up a podcast antique mall or something? <laughs> it's Joe Biden's uh, old timey radio, <laughs> and uh, it's Wolverine's old time. It's it's cooler than it's cooler. So, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So people should give it a shot. Left handed radio. What about the currents? Are you are you are you trying to keep up with anything? After like, are, are you doing uh, Scott Bakula? Did you try to do any of that? I've been told to kind of avoid Enterprise. I've heard Enterprise is supposed to be disappointing. Scott Bakula's name rhymes with butt crackula. I mean, there's (laughs) nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, I always liked him on Quantum Leap. Yeah. Well, well, what's your feeling on, on Enterprise? Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it myself. Mm. <laughs> was ho- was hoping to get some sort of uh, like a positive feedback loop on yeah. that, but I but nobody's doing it. I've watched the first two seasons of Discovery. Yeah, I have not seen the third season yet. Um, okay. I've watched the first season of Lower Decks. Yes, which is just a comedy. That's yes. all it is. It's two. It's twenty two minutes of animation, and it's and it's kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's a lot of fan serve. Yes. So if you like Star Trek, you should like Lower Decks. Though you might be disappointed that they aren't more on the Lower Decks. Uh, they keep going <laughs> to the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. And what's his name? Jack Quaid, who's in it. Uh, yeah, Dennis Quaid's kid, Dennis maybe? Quaid, yeah, Dennis Quaid's kid, yeah. Yeah, okay. He's in The Boys, uh, but I like him better on this. He's He captures what I think is good. He does what I think he does well. And a lot, a lot of people do this, and I know that you're doing more animation VO stuff, is that it's VO acting is not screen acting. Right. V, VO acting is exaggerated, and you almost have to... It's almost clownish the way you're doing it, because you're... you're using your entire body to get a performance. And I get the sense that he's doing that, which is, is great. It's it, it because like, yeah. I don't know, you see like any number of things where they cast a celebrity, uh, in a, you know, in a, in a movie to be, you know, some cartoon character. And it's just like, okay, great. Why is it Cameron right. Diaz playing this character? <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> right. Right. She's not doing anything but talking or yeah. uh, sadly, I was just having this conversation on a different podcast about Loki mm. and how Owen Wilson always plays Owen Wilson. Yeah. And so Owen Wilson is in the Marvel Universe, you guys. Uh, he's not necessarily playing Mobius. He's playing Owen Wilson. And uh, <laughs> Owen Wilson gets to hang out with Loki, you guys. And uh, so it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, I that's a that's a good idea because I do know. That like some of the best 
character actors I know who do, or voiceover actors I know, do a lot more. Lar- it's it's almost larger than stage acting, right? Yes, yes. Which has to be bigger as well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, and I like it's not. I I really don't know what it is, uh, other than the fact that like because you don't have the benefit, especially for like a radio show, because you don't have the benefit of seeing anything, you need as many indications as as possible within the voice. Right. And, and somehow and throwing everything into just art, articulating it and, and um, giving a bunch of different emotional variants throughout your line, it, it just plays better. Uh, otherwise, it sounds like you're reading. Yeah. Right. I yeah. did a I did a, a sketch series that was just audio. Yeah. It was an it was a radio show, mm-hmm. and it was about um, it was, it was about a project a product that was supposedly going to cure baldness mm. that uh, created a lot more hair. That that was the twist, you guys. Is this the but, peanut butter uh, solution? It was. What is the peanut? Oh, the peanut butter. On the roof of your mouth, and then the spoon, and then the roof of your mouth. There's no. this this is crazy Canadian children's show. I think this might. I mean, if you're into the into weird bad movies, are you Canadian? No, I'm not Canadian. Okay. I'm just. Would you like to be? I have these paperwork. Yes, right here. please. Actually, okay, can you right. fax that Excellent. over? <laughs> I can. Fax I'd fit it. I'd fit in well there. I think. <laughs> anyway, Canadian show. Uh, it's it's that same premise where it's like a kid who's bald. He's a kid, and he and and somehow he gets this magic recipe to grow hair, and he it's peanut butter and a bunch of other stuff, and it, he puts it on, and it just the hair won't stop growing. But sure. the rest of the whole story in the movie is is fairly psychedelic in the way that it it, it, it unfolds. It's just a very it's it's what's so, it called? It's called the peanut butter solution. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. my apologies. No, okay, it's the peanut fine. butter. I'm, it's uh, just, sure. we're here to educate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I've learned something. No, this thing it was uh, I played the scientist who was the mother of the of a of a kid, mm-hmm. a guy who gets all the credit for making it. Okay. And then and then ends up uh all of these sort of incel QAnon guys uh which is of course sweeping the bald do not does not <laughs> necessarily make them incels or QAnon. I have a very controversial theory about the bald, which is that it's God's way of getting rid of that hair cuz you got a good looking head. Uh so but the in the in the sketch series, yeah. I played the scientist who invented it. My son releases it too soon, mm. and uh, so there's a great deal of um, the, the, then these QAnon guys kind of adopt him, and then he's like, "Wait, you're QAnon guys? You're gross!" And he's bald, and so we ha- I have to come up with an antidote for it. <laughs> but they they kidnap. It's a it's a very silly, very fun little sketch, and I will try to find it and repost it. It's it might be called uh, the balding solution. We don't know. It could have been very simple and just called that. But yeah, that was a voice that was a, a cool voiceover thing that I had to do as yeah. this scientist. And so I had to make it sort of momish but nerdish. Yeah. So uh what I the who plays the uh like I think that they have a lot of great character actors play in you know, playing sort of the 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 bridge actors yeah. in in Lower Decks. Yeah. Uh like Jerry O'Connell, I think, is uh like the uh, 
first who's the mom first officer. captain? I can't remember the mom because oh, Jerry O'Connell. Gosh, I think yeah. that that first officer is kind of based on Frakes. Yes, he's very like, but just different, you know. And I like the data character on that one with the the guy, you know, the the two engineers who yeah. only want to talk to each other about about climbing through the the. The Jeffrey's the, tubes. Uh, the Jeffrey's tubes. That's yeah. it. Oh, that's yeah. That's uh, Eugene Cordero, uh, okay. who plays Sam Rutherford. Oh, Don Lewis is the captain. Okay. Don Lewis. Uh, Eugene, I uh, I'm I'm a little um, sort of familiar with because he was at UCB around the same time I was. Oh, cool. He. <laughs> He uh, he was also involved in this. Uh, this I, I think this is like the perfect place to talk about this. But he was mm-hmm. uh, he used to do this show that I was involved in at UCB called uh, Cage Match. Um, oh yeah, which you know is is a, I think they did it here in Los Angeles where it's just two teams competing for votes in the next. Mm-hmm. Very simple, but in New York, it was hosted by a fake uh, pro wrestling league called the UCBW. Oh yeah! Wow yeah. That's um, outstanding. I I was in a tag team called the Mountain Men with my friend John Robert Wilson, and we were just okay. two hillbillies. At one point, we uh, we were up against uh, uh, a priest and uh, a tag team of a priest and uh, Kirk Cameron, because uh, my friend Alan right. has a passing resemblance <laughs> to Kirk Cameron. <laughs> And Kirk Cameron's uh, just passing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, his his finishing move was to summon God to uh, to um, right because because Kirk Cameron is he's just hit that glass ceiling. There's just one more job. Yeah. And uh, and, and it's God. There. And if he could just summon him, so, <laughs> so he summons God, and he, it would always be the finishing move for like you know months and months and months, and then for the big pay per view, which was just all wrestling on a Saturday night at midnight. Uh, we were able to, <laughs> I was able to reverse it, uh, put God into a, uh, bulldog and then, uh, fall back. And, um, tragically, uh, God, God's neck was broken and died, no! <laughs> died on the way to the hospital. <laughs> it's like, that's the kind of show we were doing. Right. If I remember correctly, that cage match did get super dark very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about improv <laughs> as yeah. we weed off. Yes. Um, again, as is happens on the dork for us so often. Um, when you write something in improv that is clearly hilarious. Yeah. Do you ever take that and flesh it out and turn it into sketch? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, that's sort of what we... It feels we... like a waste if you wouldn't, right? Yeah, I not, think there was a like... a waste. People the, saw it. There was like a... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was like a mass delusion that people in my generation were under, but we didn't do that as much. Like, I think anytime somebody would try to like go like, hey, we should do this as that, it would be like, Why? Improv is all about like making stuff up every time. And I was just the like, moment. Don't think. Yeah, don't think. Don't. And you're like, or don't uh, create something that's lasting. Yeah. Uh, it's in the moment, and that's very beautiful. But one of the great things about stand up is that when you come up with something in the moment, you're like, oh, I'm going to be doing that. That's that's going into the vault. Yeah. I'm going to pull that out whenever I get in trouble. Yeah. Especially heckler stuff and and stuff like that. So. Oh sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good to know. Improv is like 
Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it, it's made to do that. Like, that's the mm-hmm. whole reason you're supposed to be doing that. And that's why they were doing it at Second City as a writing, ge- like, idea generation tool. And the fact that, like, a lot of what I, I was seeing, at least in my perspective, the ethos around me was just sort of like, no, man, you just, you, you know, if you're funny, then you go out there and you create a new thing every time. And then because obviously it's all talent based, you know what I mean? You're going to go right right. to the top. And it's like, you know, at the end of the, at the, at the end of a improv team's run, you kind of go like, well, I don't have anything to show for all that time. So right, that's sort of where the idea for doing a sketch podcast came from was just like, I I did a lot of work on this one thing and I have nothing to show for it. And I'd like to not do that anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's, there's some of that stuff can be mined for so much more. They're rich. They're what Maria Bamford calls a rich vein. Yes. Uh, That's a, that's, it's a rich vein. You're going to want to get in there and, uh, and tap it. What's your experience with improv, Jackie? Have you done any of it? I've, uh, when I first started doing standup, we uh, there was a guy who came and tried to teach us how to do improv, and it was all those games. It was 1985, mm-hmm. 1984, mm-hmm. so it was freeze tag and uh, some game called 184, and it was uh, 184 was a, was a joke setup thing. 184 somethings walk into a bar, and the yeah. bartender says yep. blah, and then yeah, I know that that's game. I, it. Probably has another name now, but uh, so uh, and then. And, and then there was, I think, a good 10 years, 15 years, when uh, it wasn't okay to even like improv as a stand-up. Yes. Because it had been vilified. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, what, what, what do you care? And, um, <laughs> and so when I first moved to Los Angeles, I remember there was, there was a weird sort of best Western over on Vermont that had stand-up yeah. in a basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it used to also have sketch sometimes and, and improv. And one night there was improv, and the comics took it upon themselves to yell. Really, there's that. There's a there's a game where you give a a, a country, yeah. and then the person has to do a scene in the accent, sort of an English accented. And so we. And I was part of this. This is not, I'm not the hero of this story. Uh, We picked six different African nations and Mm. just kept yelling out Mm. different African nations. Mm -hmm. And the sketch group only had one African uh, accent. So uh, Mm. they became very angry. And uh, so, but I did take improv. I took UCB. I took uh, the first series. And it turns out improv, much like stand-up, is a learned experience, Mm -hmm. uh, skill, Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to watch uh, one of the things at UCB is you have to go watch a lot of improv. Yeah. And I got an appreciation of it that I had never had before because, for example, uh, watching Sean Conroy. Yes. And Matt Besser do stand-up comedy, uh, do improv. Yeah. At no time did you feel like – because you know when you first do stand-up, this is true when I saw first doing improv, people just throw stuff at the wall. And a lot of it is – shows really the inner workings of your fucking mind and uh, and you might be an asshole yeah <laughs> so yeah. you throw gross things you throw you know in general you th- you throw dick jokes and gross things at the wall yeah and uh and if you're kind of a monster uh you could get really sexist or racist or 
stuff like that. At no time did you feel like Sean Connery was not in, tr- in control of the narrative. Yeah. He was just literally going to go into his life. You were going to suggest anything. Yeah. A bicycle built for two. Yeah. And then he was going to either talk about the song, bicycles, two people, uh, you know, fixing bicycles. Like it could go anywhere. Yeah. Like his past, the future, a book he read nine years ago. And it was never, You, I felt safe. Yes. Yeah. That's the best improv is yes. when you don't feel unsafe. You feel like it could be amazing, but you don't feel unsafe. Yeah. There's uh, a thing I think maybe was missing from my improv education until later is the, like, reliance on your own self. Like, um, I think, like you were saying about throwing all the awful stuff out there, you know, trans transgressive comedy has been really popular for a very very long time and 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 it it works because it's 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 almost like you're shocking somebody into laughing that you're saying something so inappropriate that you know in polite society it's <laughs> right. it's funny i can't believe that guy's that rude i can't believe that guy's yes. such an asshole and then when yes. you're but when you're stuck in a scene with somebody like that and the training is just no, agree with them and then add to it. Then it's like two, two relatively normal people who might be a little bit of an asshole on the inside somewhere to just unleashing the worst things that they can <laughs> say at each other. Right. And, and it's yeah. boring. <laughs> right. It ends up being super boring. If you can't sort of have the real conversation about what you just said, yeah. that would actually be kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. If you weren't trained to just yes and. Yeah. If you could... Yes, that is a, that is an opinion, and let's discuss how that isn't a good opinion. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> were you were you trained at some point to be able to to bring it around to something that wasn't horrible? I think I got a lot of good advice from a handful of UCB teachers, and I took a class at the Annoyance at the toward the end of my you know living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, which was more about like, you know, when you go on stage, wear your character like a thin veil, be yourself, but make those little tiny tweaks. Like, you know, if somebody says you're Frankenstein, just be you, but understand that you're, <laughs> you know, stoned together or stitched together from constituent parts and you've been brought to life with electricity and all that other shit, you know, but be you and see, see where it goes. And then annoyance was very good about like, That's you great. deserve to be on stage. You have something to say. You are unique. We're excited that you're on stage. That's a great message. That's, I mean, the thing is, is because somebody just said to me, I asked, there was a comic who miss, like he, he, some banana head on Facebook. Uh, (laughs) I posted a political thing or just, it was literally just an article. And Mm -hmm. so he did a lateral move, this comic, uh, this other comic. And he was from, an area that I have done stand up. So I asked another comic who's there. I was like, do you know this guy? And he goes, yes, you're going to want to try to get away from that guy. He's, he's not horrible. He's a little, and it, this is a black comic telling me about this white comic. He said, yeah. he's a little racist, racist, but your best bet is to just ignore him. He's, he's one. And I said, is he any good? He, uh, he goes, he was funny when it was enough to just be an asshole to be funny. <laughs> and which is shock jockey kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And, um, 
And it's just, it's such a good, like, because people do deserve, like, everyone deserves to have a podcast. Everyone deserves sure. to be heard. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so, but if you take that, that, that's just a great message. I just, I like that message. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, uh, we've digressed from, uh, from, from Star Trek. Are you watching any of the currents? No, I, I think once, got there? once we wrap up with maybe this, uh, Voyager or it gets pulled from Netflix, uh, I th- <laughs> think we're going to start watching, um, Discovery because I hear it's really good. And the guy that plays Clem Fandango from, uh, uh, Toast of London is in it. So I'm excited. to. Who does he play? Uh, I don't remember the name of the character. Um, right, right. Have you seen Toast of London? I are have you not. In, are you into the British comedy at all? The old, the the greatest British comedy I've recently seen, and this is a sketch group, I guess, who has a sitcom out, and it's on HBO Max, and it's called Ghosts, plural. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sitcom. It took me three episodes, like it all does with sit- yep. with uh, sitcoms. They're all twenty two minutes apiece, and there's two two seasons, and it is hilarious. adorable yeah and wonderful uh what is toast of london uh do you know matt berry at all are you not i mean like not personally have you are you aware of Uh, matt berry uh i've heard the name he's in what we do in the shadows he's laszlo in that he's um he's uh also in garth Marenghi's dark place if you've ever seen that uh which if you have if if especially if you haven't seen it jackie i think you'd love Dark, dark place. place exactly it's the premise of dark place is that it's uh, garth Marenghi is this horror author who's very okay down market but somebody <laughs> gave him his own tv show where it's set in this haunted hospital where all this paranormal shit happens but the 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 production values are you know you know shoestring the producer is his publisher who cannot act played by richard iowade <laughs> and and it's it's just this big mess. And there's little like uh, there's little like interview segments where they're just talking about what it was like to to make the show. One of the actresses has disappeared since, you know, nobody knows what <laughs> happened to her. Um, but Matt Berry's in that. I think it's one of his first big things. But Toast of London is Matt Berry as a actor named Stephen Toast. He's the <laughs> worst actor in London. And so he's. Constantly being cast in the worst play currently running in the West End or some awful right. commercial or something. But he, every episode opens with him at a uh, VO booth doing some of the worst VO gigs ever. Where like one of them is just. <laughs> but he the, keeps working? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. He gets the worst jobs, but he does keep working. Like one of the bits is like him. He's got a script and all it says on it is yes. And they're like, can you keep doing it, Steven? Yes. 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 <laughs> Steven, can we get a no? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it's how long are these how long is Toast of London? Is it an hour? Twenty-two uh minutes, four seasons, six episodes each. So Okay. You can, and, and Dark Place? How is that say, also a, sitcom? Uh, one season, yeah, sitcom, yeah. You're gonna Okay. Yeah. I will give that a shot. Uh, I, I recommend love giving Ghost. you homework. This is amazing. Oh, it's I have been trying to watch. Uh, I don't understand how I could have run out of positive television. Uh, all that's left is everything super sad, incredibly well written, incredibly yeah. well acted. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. 
Can't watch it. Uh, I think I've established that we're in the laziest civil war ever. Yeah. I'm going to need to watch something a little lighter. Yeah. Uh, I've watched all of, I was, I'm rewatching Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, mm. <laughs> which is an Australian uh, murder mystery show and a New Zealand murder mystery show called Brokenwood. I'm also rewatching those. Um, and though there's new season, new, okay. new episodes of those, which is great. Yeah. Brokenwood, uh, Amazon Prime, probably on Acorn or BritBox or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Brokenwood. It's Colombo, but set in New Zealand. In a town, hilariously, uh, at one point they tell us that it's the only town in New Zealand that did not shoot any Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so you got to love that. <laughs> anyway, so, but I, yeah, you, uh, every time I do a Star Trek episode, I want to go back and watch them. Did you ever go back? Uh, have you tried any of the original series at all? Well, there's an ep- that episode of Deep Space Nine where they uh, are thrown back in time and are inserted into the Tribble episode. So we yeah. watched that one just as a point of reference. And sure, I, it's also that one. That one's weird because it's it's supposed to be funny, but it has right. all the trappings of 1960s comedies. So there's just you know disaster unfolding while some uh, it's tragic it's tragic for the tribbles it's like <laughs> this is not, this is not yeah like all the ones i really liked in the original series are usually the greek and roman ones when they go to a they go to that planet where they meet the gods <laughs> yeah and then they go to this other planet and i loved it because spock was my favorite huge crush on oh, spock yeah. when i was nine years old yeah who didn't and uh you know when he's forced to kiss somebody that was always important to me <laughs> and i was like yeah get him and uh and or, <laughs> When he has, and then I consistently mix up Ponfar and parkour. Uh, so <laughs> parkour is when you have to jump all over buildings and then you're forced to make out with someone. But uh, Ponfar is when you're forced to make out with something, someone, but you have to get through an obstacle course to do it. So, um, and then have you watched any of the movies? Yeah, we watched um, Generations and oh, First God. Contact. Sure, um, sure. So the good ones. Uh, well, there's, there's. Uh, I would watch. I, I believe the original Star Trek movies. It's the. It starts with. I think the good ones are three and five. There's yeah. there's some sort of the odd ones are the good ones, mm-hmm. or I'm entirely wrong, and the even ones are the good ones because it can't be the odd ones because Star Trek the movie yeah was terrible. Okay, uh, so uh, it's good if you want to watch something that's so bad it's good. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's when you're desperate for just a little more Star Trek. I've watched it several times, but it uh, it isn't. It, it's nowhere to start. Do you it's do no the, reason to start. Are you uh, are you into the new the J.J. Abrams movies? Do you like those? They're okay. Yeah. Uh, Matt Weinhold ruined them for me by saying that they were Star Wars turned into Star Trek. Yeah. Like when, when you watch Discovery, you'll be like, "This is Star Warsy. Why is it so Star Warsy?" It turns into Star Trek. The first season is super action packed. Yeah. And so it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it isn't super Star Trekky until the last two or three episodes. Okay. Where all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> Second series of start of Discovery, entirely Star Trekky yeah. and awesome. And um 
And then when 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 I get it, because I like Star Star Wars. I mean, The Mandalorian. Absolutely nothing happens, uh, but I'm on board <laughs> because who doesn't want a distressed? You know, uh, I found this knife on yes. the on the ground outside my house on a wow. walk. Uh huh. And it looks very Mandalorian. I've cleaned it, it up does. a little bit, but it has, and all it is is it's some sort of carpentry knife. But yeah. it is incredibly terrifying. Yeah. Because it, it also has uh, the serrated edge to it. But it's really good. At, uh, I found it. I tried to give it to somebody. Like, I I went to – this was deep in quarantine time, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I go to the guy working – he's just running this parking lot. I'm on a walk, right? So I go up to the parking lot guy, and I was like, hey, I found this. And he's like, I still have mine. And he pulls the exact same knife out. <laughs> And I was like, well, do you think somebody dropped it? He was like, you should keep that because there's going to be trouble coming. Whoa. Hi. Whoa. Wow. Okay, sir. Anyway, okay. in other news, I used it to cut a peach this morning. Pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. 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 I should not be armed. Uh, my middle name is Chekhov. So uh, <laughs> that is uh, a new joke. I have to, I have this to say, Adam Bozarth. Yes. We have talked for an hour, and it has been fascinating. A lot of Star Trek, a lot yep. of other things. Uh, everybody, you should go check out lefthandedradio.com. Lefthandedradio.com has a lot of different stuff on it. Yeah. And, and if you like Dork Forest, you probably are going to like Left Handed Radio. So thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It I can't believe nice. it's been an hour already. I know, super fun. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?